The biggest hurdle between me and eating healthy, delicious meals for lunch is decision fatigue. Honestly, by the time lunchtime rolls around, I've already made like a thousand decisions from what my toddler should wear to how much I want to argue with her about how you have to brush your teeth in the morning, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, I absolutely agree. And like I have taken to doing meal preps or like buying a bunch of ready to eat meals to like heat up quickly. And I recently tried Factor. And let me tell you, Factor is like 12,000 steps above and beyond any ready to meet eat meal I have ever tried before. That's right. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef curated, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started and get after your goals. I tried the two-minute meals where I could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. And they also offer pancakes, smoothies, and more. There's a wide variety of easy options throughout the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Plus, there's no prep and no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup required. Factor is also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution when you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. And you don't want to make any more decisions because you're exhausted, like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 and use code justbreakup50 to get 50% off. That's code justbreakup50 at factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 to get 50% off. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. This week, we're going to tackle topics like being the other wim woman. Women. Women. <laughs> dating nice men and knowing what to do. But first, we just want to give you a Surgeon General's warning, which is that we don't know what we're talking about. We are unprofessional. No. We are untrained in this. Mm-hmm. It's not that we're unprofessional. We take this very seriously, but we are not professionals. Yeah. We are not accredited. Yeah. There's like a million therapists out there like listening who to actually, this and who, being like, what the fuck? Yeah. And who actually like <laughs> did several, you know, hundred hours uh -huh, yeah. of education and yeah. practice and money, you know, involved in like being mm -hmm. able to give people good advice. Yeah. Like real, like honest to God education. Yeah. And you and I just have like really big mouths. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of opinions mm -hmm, is what we have. Mm -hmm. So please take our advice as you see fit. You do not have to agree with or follow what we say. Oh, I like that additional disclaimer. Yeah, like you just don't have to agree with us. We all are different people with different life experiences yeah. and different opinions. And you definitely do not have to follow our advice. No, I mean, honestly. Yeah. Please don't. We are just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. Welcome to today's episode, Sam. Thank you. <laughs> you don't like when I say that, do you? <laughs> Pink rainbow. Pink rainbow. Welcome <laughs> to episode Pink Rainbow. Um, Before we get into our check-in topic, which is a fun little check-in topic that I'm going to surprise you with. Mm-hmm. 
I just want to say quickly, thank you to everyone who has submitted letters. We ha- we get hundreds of letters, y'all. Yep. And we are still so amazed and we're so entertained. You guys are so funny and vulnerable and mm-hmm. personable. Yep. And we're just so honored that you all send us your personal experiences and your mm-hmm. questions. That We're honored that you trust us with it. And... um we're just blown away. Every time we go to print, we're like, oh my God, I cannot believe there's so many letters. For sure. Yeah. That being said, we also want to remind everybody we get a ton of letters and we try to get through them as smoothly and efficiently as possible. Yeah. Um, and there's not even there's not even a huge rhyme or reason on the letters that we do choose. Uh, we just try to pick topics that we haven't talked about or letters that are particularly personal to us or I don't know. There's a hundred reasons why we can pick a letter or not pick a letter. For sure. Um, so if you have written to us and you haven't heard from us yet, we want to say thank you. We want to mm-hmm. say um, we still might answer your letter. And we also want to say sorry we can't get to everyone. Absolutely. Um, but hopefully you guys will still gleam some entertainment, some um, experience, some knowledge from the letters that we do answer. Absolutely. And we do read through all Every of the letters. Every single letter. Yeah. So please so, do not deter yourself from writing. Nope. nope. We just want to acknowledge that we get way too many letters to even get close to answering them all. Oh, no. We probably answer. I mean, we've had over 900 letters in the year that we've been been doing this. And we have under 70 episodes and we answer three to four an episode. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Maybe we should celebrate when we get over a thousand. Yeah. And maybe someday we'll add in the fourth letter again, but we like to keep our episodes around. An hour, an hour plus. Um, so yep. we just wanted to express our gratitude and say, sorry, we can't answer more, but we we love you all so much. We love answering your letters and we love reading them. Oh, we love reading them. Yeah. Yep. It's actually one of my favorite things about the podcast. No, I always enjoy it. It's great. Okay. Let's get into our check-in topic. Okay. Let's get into it. The check-in topic today is- Sex. Nope. Close. <laughs> pubic hair. Oh my God. Or bodily hair. Uh-huh. Here's why are you uncomfortable? You're already uncomfortable? Really? This makes you uncomfortable? My mom listens to this podcast. No, here's my question though. This is an important <laughs> we've talked about way worse things than pubic hair. Okay, true. What I want to know is I do think it's an age-old question or debate amongst the brokenhearted folks out there mm-hmm. about preference mm-hmm. versus what we are allowed to ask of our partners. Mm-hmm. So stating it explicitly, are you allowed to ask your partner to groom their pubes in the way that you prefer or not groom them? Or does that make you a weird body controlling asshole? Um, I think that you are, this is really difficult because there's so much patriarchy involved in this world. I just think like you are allowed to to state a preference, yes. you are allowed to say like, oh, I like it when people do this. You are not allowed to ask someone to do it or force them to or withhold your love because they don't. Yeah. And if you use the phrase, I like it when people do blank because the other blank option is gross. <laughs> yeah, that's then, not it. <laughs> then you're a shaming, you're, you're, you're producing a lot of shame and you're contributing to negative body stigmas. Yep. I can't tell you how many people... I have physically heard say to me, to my face, or to people I love, um, you know, like, oh, pubic hair, it's so gross, or whatever. 
And this is coming from a woman who I have preferences for my body hair that it's definitely not shaving all the time, but it's not letting my pubic hair grow sure. freely. Like that's just my personal preference. I'm kind of like a lawn. Like I just like mow it all <laughs> and then I let it grow out and then I mow it all. Oh, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like more in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> less in the winter. That's Definitely like, like a lawn. That's yeah. It's like me and my beard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but the that being said, th- those those personal preferences aside, I just would I'm just so abhorred. Is that the right word? Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. At when people are like, ugh, gross, disgusting. Because it also it 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 not only like insults your partner's autonomy, mm-hmm. it really contributes to a really toxic patriarchal yeah. uh, control over women's bodies and, and people's bodies in general. Yeah. Like a shame of the natural. For sure. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I know there's people out there going, oh, God, it is gross, though. But f- bodies are fucking gross. Like, <laughs> grow up That's a true. little. Yeah. Like, bodies are gross. Yeah. All bodies create smell and pus and stink and, and you know, other even grosser things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just like, I don't even know if I agree with what I said before. <laughs> You're right, though. No, no, but, but here, here's a, I'm, I'm a good example, too, because I have that preference and I have a preference for my partner. Mm. So I can say to my partner, this is what I prefer. But, but also, as an adult, I have never... Yeah. Like in, in my current relationship, I don't think I've ever said to my girlfriend, like, this is what I want you to do to your body. No, I don't like, and that's what I'm struggling with is that I don't think I've done that. I've had that done to me, which and it know. sucks. <laughs> I know. And, and so I'm like, I feel like I don't, I don't know how to, how you can do that without making it feel shamey because yeah, there's so is. much shame attached to it already. But, like, open, honest, like, healthy relationship is, like, I think that there's a, a place in which you can say something like, this is what I like. Yeah. Well, because I'm trying to compare, um, again. Or, like, have you ever done this before? Yeah. And then, like, and the person can be like, yeah, I have, but I don't really like it. And then you can be like, oh, okay. Yeah. I think it's fun to be like, oh, I think it'd be sexy if you did this. Like, mm. I was with somebody who really loved, like, bushes mm-hmm. and was like, I would really think it would be sexy if you do this. And I was like, but do you understand <laughs> how uncomfortable that can be sometimes? Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But... And the other, I'm trying to like understand or I'm trying to position it differently Mm -hmm. and thinking like, well, sometimes my partners or I ask my partners, like, do you like it when my hair is shorter or longer? Mm -hmm. You know, like my hair on my head. Yeah. Right. Or do you, um, or, you know, my girlfriend will say, oh my God, I love the way you look in these jeans. Mm -hmm. And so, or I'll ask her what she thinks I should wear or whatever in like a cute way. Mm And like a, I like to feel good and I like to think that she looks. She thinks I look good, right? Yeah. And so how is that different? I think I think I know the answer, and that is that, you know, sex and specifically women's sexuality has been so weirdly commodified and and policed. And, yeah. Policed and mm-hmm. put in a weird shame box. And yep. and and really we've been all of us, all bodies have been taught that we're disgusting and something to be shamed of. Mm-hmm. But specifically, women women's sexuality has been so policed and so erased. And so, when I hear people making jokes about like the way vaginas smell, or you know, not wanting to go down on people with pubic hair, I just like 
I can't help but feel like extreme anger at what an oppressive statement that is, even yeah. though that is your preference. And yeah. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. Cause it's hard because it's also preference is real. Mm-hmm. Preference is real. Yeah. But like, you don't always get what you want. Yeah. Well, I, okay. So I think that's what it is at the end of the day is what we're saying is preference is real and it's very new nuanced and, and preference is nothing to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. However, the question originally was, do you ask your partner to, to comply to your preference? And I think Sam and I are saying, I think that there are, there are respectful ways to introduce your preference into your relationship. But at the end of the day, yeah. your preference has, not, has no power and really no place over your partner's body. Mm-hmm. It's about what your partner wants and yeah. I think that's right. And also, like, guess what, everyone? Having sex is going to involve pubic hair in your mouth or in your hand or wherever. Like, Yeah. And I think I think so often we try to, like, get rid of all of the realities of what we are doing in sex that it suddenly becomes, like, like such an impossible feat. And also, like, I don't know, diminishes the fact that, like, sex is about two gross bodies coming together and like Just doing things to each other against each other. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and I think that like, there is a level of like toxicness about our culture in the expectations that we have of people to remove the realities of their body from sex. Yeah. And like, yes, it's yes. a big thing. Nailed it's it. a big thing in, in culture with gay men as well of like, of like douching of like mm. shaving of like making everything seem like what you're doing is not what you're actually doing. Right. Yeah, totally. And it's like, how is that? Like, that's just not a reflection of reality. And I feel like it takes away from the vulnerability and openness that comes with being like, no, this is, this is like two, our two bodies coming together in weird ways. I I wish I heard this when I was a teenager. I know. And it's like, I'm not trying to say like hygiene's not important or like, Mm -hmm. you know, taking care of yourself is not important. But what I am saying is that like, I feel like we are sometimes so disgusted. Like if you're not able to like handle the disgustingness of sex, then you like shouldn't be having sex with people. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like sex is gross. Sorry. I thought about a counterpoint that I want or like a, I fucking hate devil's advocate, but like uh-huh. here's the devil's advocate thing. Yeah. Um, what if you were dating a person who had a beard and their, and like their beard was not maintained yeah. Like there was no manscaping or whatever. And that was your preference. Like I, I know I, I've been in a relationship with somebody who had a beard at mm-hmm. one point and they um, didn't keep it uh, like looking neat or whatever. Yeah. And I just knew I would be so much more attracted to him if he did. But to be fair, I don't think I ever asked him to do that. Oh, I will ask. <laughs> so what is it? I, is it? Is it the fact that sex is inherently so imbued with shame. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's like, and we'll, yeah, when it comes to like a beard thing, it's like, like when was the last time you trimmed your beard? <laughs> like that doesn't feel <laughs> as shamey. That just feels like a you and I, and maybe I'm thinking about it specifically for like me, but like in my relationship, I'm like you and I, like we both know that you like to keep your beard trimmed. <laughs> so it's like personal, obviously. Yeah. It's like a personal thing. Yeah. Whereas- And it- it's also like- <laughs> So you haven't trimmed your beard in a while. Are you feeling okay? Yeah, 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 <laughs> like yeah. are you like are you feeling depressed? Like but is in, everything okay? In my relationship, the one that I'm referencing from years ago, this person didn't and 
just didn't care. And yep. so I felt like if I were to say something, even though I think it would make him look more handsome, mm-hmm. that I was somehow like, um, I don't know, threatening his bodily autonomy. Mm. Yeah. But to be fair, I was also having attraction issues. Mm-hmm. So like maybe that would have helped. Yeah. I don't know. We're on a little tangent here, but I I meant what I said. I wish I heard this when we were when I was younger. For sure. Because I felt so ashamed of my body. Even just oh my god, super funny story or timely story. I was literally getting dressed today and I saw like a new hair on my nipple <laughs> and I plucked it like just not even thinking I grabbed it and pulled it out and I and I stopped and I thought, "Wow, like how nice it is that that was so inconsequential." That when mm. I was a teenager and I like found a hair on my nipple. Even like I'm a n- nasty monster. <laughs> yes. I would have been like, oh my God, I'm so disgusting. Yeah. You know, or like what's wrong with me? Why can't I be beautiful like all the girls I see on TV? Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, and um, and it's just so funny. I just felt like an extreme level of gratitude today for not just my body, but like my perspective that I've been on this planet for long enough to know that my body is fine as is, that it is beautiful just as it is functional, just that it is gross sometimes. Yep. And that a hair on a nipple doesn't make me, it doesn't make me weird. It actually makes me incredibly normal, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right, good. I'm glad, I love we, that. I'm glad we touched all that. That's, that's <laughs> I'm glad great. I got to tell that story. It's a hundred percent true. <laughs> I remember plucking it and thinking, Oh, that was easy. So glad that was nothing. <laughs> you know, like in years past, I would have been like, I'm disgusting. Would anyway. have like written a poem about it. Yeah, I would have been like. Today I found a hair on my Why nipple. Why am I not beautiful? <laughs> you know, and then I'm like, and today's poem was, oh, cool. I'm just like everybody else. <laughs> Which is a great time to remind everyone that Instagram is not real. <laughs> oh, no, for sure. Those women all have hairs on their nipples. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And everybody shits their pants. <laughs> All right, let's get into our letters. Our first letter is from Anonymous Anonymous, who is writing to us from The Void. Hello, Sam and Sierra. Your podcast has really helped me through so much. When you both speak, I feel like you're both best friends guiding me with a pat on my back. But I have a situation I'm not sure I've heard of on the podcast. I'm not proud of it, and I have chosen to remain anonymous because of it. Get into the situation. It was really hard for me to get over my last relationship. It terrorized my mental health and brought up a crippling anxiety I never dealt with before. In May, I started a new job and I met a nice guy. I was still recovering from my ex, but I was doing a lot better. I didn't think I was ready to start anything with anyone, so opted for being friends with nice guy. I'll call him Richard. I learned down the uh, excuse me I learned through the grapevine that Richard had a girlfriend. He never spoke about her to anyone and when he did he did not have nice things to say. Soon, despite the fact that in every movie I've seen the other woman I've hated her, I developed feelings for him. One day he told me that he was having thoughts about me he wasn't allowed to be having. To make a long story short, and against my better judgment, we decided to have a casual relationship, which I thought would mean going out without labels, but ended up being just sex, sex in my car in secret locations. I told myself he liked me a lot and I could understand he didn't feel comfortable leaving his girlfriend because he told me he was suicidal and they lived together. I ended up discovering that she was actually a nice girl with no suicidal tendencies. They would just fight often. 
We only had sex twice before I decided to call it quits. Maybe I should be over it. He couldn't stand how anxious or uncomfortable I was gradually getting around him. We fought about it where I dressed that I thought we'd do more than actually have sex. And he said I didn't give him a chance for anything else. But we always had to work around the girlfriend's schedule to do anything while she worked, not mine. I ended up only being, quote, drama for mentioning it when he had to, quote, deal with this on a daily basis with her. Since cutting him out, I feel bad about not being able to handle it, but I felt like it wasn't fair to me and especially not fair to his girlfriend. I felt that maybe I deserved better than someone who wouldn't break up with their girlfriend if they liked me as much as they said they did. It's like I have to convince myself that cutting him off was okay, that if he never speaks to me again, it's okay, but I feel like I should have been able to handle it given he, him, quote, more of a chance. I know I shouldn't have done it in the first place, and I feel stupid for missing him. He was only my second partner in my whole life. Do you guys think other people go through this? Is there something wrong with me for accepting this for myself and not and still wanting it to a degree? Should I have been more uncomfortable? I can't forgive myself for getting involved in the place in the first place. How can you find self-respect when you've spent so much time letting others not respect you? I hope you guys don't see me as a bad person. I tried looking for advice on like, quote, if you're the other woman and I can never find anything. I know I did this to myself, but maybe you guys can help shed some light. Thank you guys for your time. Best wishes. Thank you so much, Anonymous. Sam has a cute little pouty face. Um, First of all, we don't think you're a bad person. No. (laughs) So like, let's just get that out of the way here. Because if you were a bad person, then I would be a bad person. Yeah, me too. So <laughs> I've definitely been the other woman before. Um, yeah, I have, I have as well. Yeah. Um, oh, and that, yes, I have. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Flashbacks. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Um, yeah. And I, uh, I will say that I think I had a very similar situation anonymous where I was like hurting and bored in Mm -hmm. a way and like interested in feeling desired, but not necessarily interested in like drawing healthy boundaries for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And the person I did this with uh, a long time ago, I worked with and it was easy and I didn't, (laughs) it was, I I meant easy as in like, I didn't have to push myself through any, I didn't have to hold myself accountable. You didn't have to be vulnerable. You didn't have to show up. You didn't have to take on the trappings of an actual relationship. You just got to be desired and had a ready-made excuse to not have to be vulnerable. Yeah, and I think that— And I said that to you, but I was also saying it to myself, just to be clear. No, totally, totally. And and to be clear, um, it takes two to tango. Like, you're not the anonymous. You are— you are not the person stepping out on the relationship. Mm-hmm. You are stepping into the territory of someone else's. And mm-hmm. I, there is some weird line there for me. However, both parties are accountable, right? Yep. yep. Um, but you're not a bad person. No. We don't think you're a bad person. And I, I'm actually really grateful for this letter because I'm sure there are many people out there who are wondering the same thing. And it's sad to me that there aren't more resources about this life experience because I, mm-hmm. I know it's common. It has yeah. to be because we're humans and we humans fuck up. Yeah, for right? sure. It's real. Uh, I also want to just echo a sentiment um, that you touched on, which is that it is okay that you miss it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's okay. We always miss things. 
that aren't good for us. Mm -hmm. Especially and things that are like might be a physical or emotional release from other things that we're feeling. For sure. Yep. We're allowed to miss things that aren't good for us. Yeah, definitely. But I think more immediately, I want to to touch on what you said, which is I feel bad for not being able to handle this. Mm. I'm not, I might be interpreting this wrong. I might've gotten lost in the letter, but I think what you're saying anonymous is that you feel bad that you couldn't handle the fact that um, you couldn't handle dating somebody as their side piece. Or, yeah. Yep. Right. And I just want you to recognize like how wildly reasonable that is. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so, uh. I think people, so many women, I know so many human beings out there, they, the, they would literally throw themselves into a fiery volcano before actually giving themselves the right to take up space <laughs> and to have desires and, and to have those desires met. Yeah. Meaning, you know, you're throwing yourself in this volcano and you're like, oh no, I feel bad that I can't handle the heat and the lava, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, being someone's other, being the other woman is not meant to be something to be handled. No. So it's a good thing that you said, I can't handle this. I can't handle sneaking around. I yep. can't handle being on your girlfriend's schedule. I don't want to be a second choice or a mm -hmm. second option. Mm -hmm. That is nothing to be ashamed of. No, I don't think that you should expect yourself to be cool with this. Like, I think it's actually better that you were like, Hey, we're doing this thing twice and now I'm not super into it because it's yeah. not what I wanted. Yeah. Like, and so now it's not happening anymore. Yeah. And like, I want you to recognize, like, if he said anything to you during that time where you were like, I can't handle this, if he said anything to you about, like, well, he did because he said, he told you that you have to, he has to deal with this on a daily basis from my number <laughs> one girlfriend. <laughs> um, what a fucking schmuck, right? Like, yeah. I would have been, you know what I would have fucking said? I'm sorry. I'm sorry to put you through this. I'm obviously hurting in my life and in my current relationship. And I saw you as a distraction from my actual life. I'm mm -hmm. sorry for bringing you into this. I hope you have a happy, healthy life without me and my garbage trash. <laughs> right? That would have been a great thing for him to say. And also, you know, like if he would have gone to therapy for a while and like yeah. figured out his own shit so that he doesn't just like bring people down with him, that would be fantastic. Yeah. So, one, people absolutely go through this. This is a way more common experience than you think it is. Yep. You are not alone in this just because we cannot always Google, like, how to be the other woman well <laughs> doesn't mean um, that we are alone in the world or that we are the one scary monster out there. Yep. Two, there is nothing wrong with you for accepting this. However, this is your opportunity to do to say, I deserve more, mm -hmm. right? In that moment, you were doing the best that you could with the knowledge and experience that you have, but now you know. Now you know what it feels like to put yourself second, mm -hmm. right? Now you know what it feels like to not get someone's 100% yep. or to step over your own personal morals. Like, it doesn't feel good. You're not proud of yourself for this. Yep. And I read somewhere on Instagram the other day, a random, like, meme quote thing that's, like, feeling a sense of regret means that you will no longer repeat that behavior, mm -hmm. right? Like that it's that you're learning that yep. you you've made a better choice now or you you're able to make a better choice. Mm -hmm. And this this discomfort, this regret or this shame, this fear that you might be a bad person, that emotion is telling you that you have an opportunity to do something differently. That yep. discomfort is saying I am a teacher. I'm here to teach you so you don't have to repeat this. Yeah. And number three is that it's actually okay to 
miss it and to want to be with this person who's treated you really poorly. Right. Um, and it is okay to uh, feel those feelings. But what I will tell you is that um, no matter where you go with this, if he is continuing to make you his second choice, it's not going to work out for oh, you. Oh, yeah. And don't return to this person. No, absolutely not. I don't want you to not. interpret those words wrong. <laughs> no. Um, and I want to tell you that, like, from my experience of being the one who uh, was the other woman who was, like, uh, you know, in a relationship with someone who was also in a relationship, like, nothing good came out of that. No good feelings came out of it. There were, like, moments of of pleasure in feeling desired and moments of pleasure and of being like, oh, this person uh, can't resist me even though mm-hmm. he wants to. Oh my God, so weird. <laughs> right? Uh, but really, in the end, it was just like a whole lot of like feeling bad about shit um, and constantly feeling like, well, this resentment about the fact that that even though he clearly wanted to be with me, I was never enough to get him to actually be with me. Oh my God, yes. And so I want you to like, to recognize that like you can miss this and that there were things that brought you pleasure in this, but it is not worth the amount of hurt and pain that you have gone through. And it's not a bad thing. Like the fact that you are uncomfortable, the fact that you couldn't handle it is your body's response to say like, this isn't it. Yeah, (laughs) This is not making me feel good. Totally. Yeah. And if anybody's out there and they're in a situation where they're the side piece or Mm -hmm. they're the other woman or the other person, or the other man. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you to just recognize, like, acknowledge the anxiety in your body, right? Mm-hmm. That Sam and I understand this behavior. We understand, and we are, we're like your parents. We're not mad. <laughs> we're just disappointed. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not even disappointed. We understand. Yeah. We just want you to make better decisions. For- <laughs> well, we want you to make, we are, we're not your parents, we're your cheerleaders, right? Yeah, yeah. And we want you to make the decisions that will lead to the happiest, healthiest, most sustainable life for you. And it's it's not here. Yep, It's sure. not in someone else's relationship. Absolutely. And Sam and I tried that and we know it's not there. Yeah, no. Anonymous, thank you so much for writing. We love you. Also, I just watched a Lifetime original movie with Susan Lucci, and she had an affair, and then she was framed of from for murder of her best friend so by the man she had the affair with. So you're saying, like, if you sleep around on your... Yeah, then you will go to prison for murder. I feel like that is like a <laughs> like an American literature essay from, like, the turn of the century. Yeah, I know who you're, like, oh my Ugh. god, what... We had to read so many of those books I, as an English major. I got so sick of that. English major time, nerd yeah. out. I got so sick of reading stories that were like, this woman walked alone with two different gentlemen on two different nights, and then she died of cholera. Yes, exactly. Ugh. I'm trying to think of who that author is who wrote all of those books, and I'm feeling like an English major failure. So Girl, They will tell us in the People, DMs. let us know who we're thinking of. Yeah. Okay. But it's all about like women who like, Go to Europe and like fall into the hands of a count and then like die. die. They all die, <laughs> which is a metaphor that sexuality will kill you. Yes, absolutely. And it's not true. It's not. Susan Lucci. <laughs> That's an actress? Yeah. Okay. All right. Y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh, my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says Quince. 
You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because, (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter comes from Claire, who is writing from The Void. Hi, Sam and Sierra. Love, love, love the podcast. Love you, Claire. And I'm just going to get right on into my nonsense for the sake of brevity. I'm about to start my senior year of college, and I have been a capital H ho basically the whole time. Nowadays, I'm able to recognize that my slutty, slutty lifestyle is overall a reaction to a lot of unprocessed trauma from all the creeps in their late 20s who manipulated me into sleeping with them in in high school. Gross, 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 gross. (laughs) That was in the letter. I didn't. That was not me editorializing. <gasps> and also my emotionally mute father and trying her best, but in a way still fucked up, fucked me up, mother. Hey, cheers to that. <laughs> and also 
all of the guys I have casually slept with who have treated me like absolute gutter garbage. I'm talking slut shaming me, even though they were also actively having sex with me the same number of times I was having sex with them. Oh my God, that's the realest thing. (laughs) It's so true. Among other terrible things, because men are terrible. Hashtag not all men, but definitely all of the ones in redacted (laughs) fraternity name. (laughs) I forgot. That might be my favorite sentence. Because it's so funny. (laughs) Might be my favorite sentence in a single letter in my whole life. All of this is just some fun background so we can move into my current situation. A few months ago, I met and started hanging out with a new lad who we will call Ron. Ron and I met at a party, and it took three whole dates before we slept together. But then we were hanging out all the time, plus texting each other constantly. I learned that Ron had somewhat recently ended a three-year relationship and that I'm the second person he has slept with ever. About a month into our casually hanging out, Ron, hang. yeah, Ron drunk texted me telling me he liked me while also apologizing profusely for liking me. I told him he didn't have to apologize, and I immediately felt guilty that I was acting in a way that made him feel like he had to apologize or hide his feelings, to which he responded that he was from the Midwest, so he just apologizes all the time. I mean, sure, I guess. (laughs) Basically, we had a long conversation about how I'm fucked up, remember the trauma I mentioned, and I know that I don't want to be in a relationship right now. And Ron said he had always known that was going to be the case, but he wanted to be able to keep going, doing what we were doing, going on dates and being very coupley in general, even if it wasn't a capital R relationship. And even if I was fucking other people, which I am, it's called being sexy and it's incurable. <laughs> <laughs> I like being around Ron, which makes you feel safe. And he's an absolute sweetie cutie baby who I should, in theory, just date and marry and have a bunch of Midwestern children because that's what the patriarchy wants. But I know so certainly that I just can't do that right now with him or maybe ever. Luckily, he graduated in May and he's only in town until the end of summer. So we agreed on a summer fling sort of scenario after I told him multiple times that he should feel absolutely zero guilt if he chooses not to be with me anymore because I just can't give him what he wants, needs, deserves in a relationship. Except plot twist, he told me he's not moving back home after the summer. He's staying in the city where we both go to school. So I can't just be like, haha, okay, I'm physically incapable of long distance. And also you deserve more than what I can give you. So goodbye forever, lol. I told him as much, but like nicer. When we sat down to talk about uh, him staying in the city what and what that means for us. And he, the absolute picture of patience and kindness and understanding, said he would love to still be able to see me. But he understands that we're at different places in our lives and he won't ask for ask me for more than I can give which is fucking great and all, but now I'm just freaking out like on like several different levels, including one, why am I not capable of being with this person who is so good to me and good in general? Two, am I a soul-sucking seductress she-demon who is dragging this man along and traumatizing him for life because he made the foolish decision of thinking I'm pretty and liking my personality at the same time? I'm not being serious with this one, but aren't I though? (laughs) (laughs) Three, what do I actually do here? I want to keep seeing him because he's awesome and I can't stop thinking that all I'm doing is hurting him, even though he's told me he understands and he wants to be with me in whatever way I'm capable of being with him. Should I just trust him? Do I not want to trust him because of my past trauma? I'm talking manipulative men who gaslit me into believing that I was the abusive one in the relationship. I know that this is eventually going to hurt because, duh, sadness is a part of life and it's beautiful and it helps us grow, blah, blah, blah. But I'm trying to find the best path for both of us, all while processing my trauma and guilt and shame 
and making out with him in my kitchen to Radiohead. Not proud of that one. Plus, this just adds to my long-standing fear of, in caps, being alone. (laughs) And the society tells women they're worthless if they're not married by 35 way, which is obviously bullshit, but I think about it all the time. Any advice would be so appreciated because you couldn't tell by, if you couldn't tell by this letter, I am a mess romantically. Academically and professionally, I am super capable and awesome. And also I cleaned my stove today, so it's not all that bad, I promise. (laughs) Anyway... Hope you liked the ramble. You're beautiful people. Stay hydrated. XOXO. P.S. You don't have to say this on the podcast, but a book recommendation, How to Date Men When You Hate Men by Blythe Robertson is a lovely, hilarious read that while the author is aware of her privilege as a straight, white, middle-class woman, really helped me think through a lot of how I relate to men and love and crushes and helped me a lot with my internalized shame. To be honest, this book is probably better as a blind date than for either of you personally. Sorry, Sam. But (laughs) thought I'd throw that into the world. So charming. So charming. It sounds like your romantic life is not a hot mess, but like very entertaining. (laughs) I'm entertained. I'm entertained too. So I appreciate that you are letting us live vicariously through you. Yeah. And this is transporting me back into my my early 20s. Yeah, me too. (laughs) So fun. It is. Yeah. But also like hard. Okay. So boil down the questions for me, Sam. Uh, So the question is... uh, why is she not capable of loving this person who is so good to her? Like hashtag good guy doesn't get the girl sort of thing. Yep. Okay. Two, is she being a soul-sucking demon who's ruining his life? <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. The age-old question of my 20s. Right. And three, what do I actually do here? She wants to keep seeing him, but she's also like, is he actually going to be okay with this I, of the fact that I can't give him what he actually wants okay so claire love your letter love you um i first want to say that based on your behavior that you described to me to describe to sam and i from Mm -hmm. er, your earlier life right yep and and into the present uh it's obvious that you might understand that you have you might have a, a vibrant awesome but sometimes destructive uh, relationship to love and sex, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, and no shame. <laughs> no. Yeah, just make sure you're ahead of the game, girl. <laughs> you know. Um, you know, be safe. Right. But like, it's a it's a way to figure things out, right? Yeah, and you're obviously slowly figuring this out. But why I bring that up is because I think this is a perfect example of not trusting our attractions because it doesn't look like what what we've been used to being attracted to, mm. which has also hurt us. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? How many people have written us that have been like, oh my God, this person's so nice, but I'm just so used to like the tattooed heartbreakers who, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, like do heroin with heroin with my mother or whatever. Oh, wow. I don't know. That's a lifetime also, original movie worth watching. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> also, I'm heavily tattooed, so no stigma against that. But a lot of times people are like, I just don't know if I can bring this whole person home to my family or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but to Claire, um, to your life experience, I wonder if you don't um, you don't find yourself fully attractive to this person because he doesn't look like who you have 
allowed yourself to be attracted to before. Yep. And and spoiler alert, sometimes we allow ourselves to be attracted to people who we know are going to be toxic or temporary. For sure. Um, because it keeps us safe. Because it, it keeps them it keeps us in our own cycle of of self loathing and toxicity. Yeah, right? and it protects us from having to be vulnerable with someone. Exactly. And how terrifying it is that someone could actually treat us really well. Right? Ooh. Especially when we've told ourselves over and over and over again that we don't deserve to be treated and well. And we're unlovable. Yep. So I want to put that out there. It's that I think half the time when there's the argument of like, oh, why doesn't the good guy get the girl? Or like, why can't I just like this guy who's good to me? Half the time I want to say, you're just, he's, just, he's just not your person. You don't like him and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Period. Um, and I'll get to that point in mm-hmm. a second. Yep. But the other half I do think is habitual. It's it's we are attracted to what we know, even yep. if what we know has hurt us. Yeah. And um, this person just might, like his reliability, his trustworthiness, his respect for you, those things should not be a turnoff, even if they're foreign. Yeah. So I just want you to take a moment to really reflect like, well, what turns me off about him? And is it a turnoff because I'm running away from what's new and safe? Mm-hmm. But the second thing I want to say is maybe you just don't want to be in a relationship. Like you want to keep having sex because you're sexy and it's incurable yeah. with other people. And so then that would be the time to say, okay, I'm, I, I really like you, but this is the path I'm going down and I don't want to hurt you. Yeah. And I think that that's, um, that's my issue here is that like, there is a little bit of having your cake and eating it too here, yeah. which I and think. And the cake is his ass. <laughs> his cute little nice boy ass. Yeah. Midwestern <laughs> little tushy. That's right. Um, and, and I think, you know, if you want to continue to, to keep having sex with people and like, playing the game i mean go for it absolutely like live your life um but it is hard because he keeps saying like i'm fine with you doing that i'm fine with you doing that and so like yeah maybe he is fine with that yeah and that's the thing is like i always say like trust what people tell you that's one of the biggest lessons you've taught me on this podcast is that and to be honest like i don't know that it's up to claire to establish his boundaries for him Yes, but we had this debate a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. I said, if you know someone likes you more than you, is it is it is it your responsibility to not talk to them anymore or whatever? Yeah. And I think you said something similar. You said you know uh you can still talk to them, but you have to act in a way that you know won't be harmful to them. Yep. So that in this situation, depending on what this guy's actual feelings are is Claire is not making out with him in her kitchen, even though the <laughs> oven is very clean. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, yep. Yeah. No, I, I am taking it back. And I think, Claire, I think what you need to do is you need to shit or get off the pot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, if you want to have sex with other people, then maybe this guy isn't for you. Yep. And if you... But I also want you... I want to encourage you to look at him yeah. in a way that you haven't looked at him before. I think this is why we chose this letter, in addition to the fact that it's hilarious and charming. Yep. We chose this letter because I I think we we want to think that our heart is like the heart wants what it wants. Like you can't tell your heart, you know, you can't stop it from loving someone who's mm-hmm. bad, you know, whatever. 
And while like desire might be very organic, we are creatures of habit. Yep. We return to what is familiar, even if it is unhealthy to us. For sure. And our m- mindfulness is the act of being conscious about the decisions that we're making and reflecting about them mm. and hopefully making more informed decisions as we become older and smarter with more experience. Absolutely. So what we're encouraging you to do, Claire, is to recognize patterns that you've done before and see if you can disrupt those patterns. For right? sure. Yeah. We're not saying this guy's perfect, but right. And let me and let me tell you, Claire, about Sam when he was twenty five or twenty six. He was a good time. <laughs> he had a uh, lot of bangs. Yeah, uh, this was post bangs. Thank God. <laughs> um, so I had like dated people pretty much, but like when I wasn't when I wasn't in relationship with people, I kept just like going back to the same assholes who would like have really, you know aggressive sex with me. Yeah. Yes, daddy, I do. And then uh, not uh, be really nice to me after that. Um, And I think, and so at that point in my life, I was like, this is, this is what I am doing. I'm just like only into guys who have throwdown who are going to like treat me poorly and like have sex with me. And then I met a man named Peter and I was like, he's so kind and so nice. I don't deserve to have someone this nice. And also like, he's so nice that I don't even know if I am like attracted to him. Yeah. And real talk, there was six months in between their first date. And, and second so one. let me tell you that I went on a date with him and then we didn't go on a date for six months because I was like, am I attracted to him? Cause he's so fucking nice. And I was like, it wasn't necessarily that, but it was like, he, like, I can't be the one to pursue this person because I'm like, so used to being pursued. Yeah. By dirtbags. <laughs> by dirtbags. Uh, that it took six months for me to to do it. And like Peter is objectively an attractive man. Yes, and like my attraction to him from that moment has grown substantially because I have become attracted to the wonderful things that he brings into my life and the yeah. wonderful things that he brings into our relationship. And but it took me having to reframe and actually be like to take a chance on someone who I knew was a good person and who I knew was going to be a kind person and, and treat me well and be like, I deserve this kindness. I deserve good treatment from this person. And this has to be better than what I'm doing. Otherwise, totally. like this has to be better than like the assholes that I'm fucking that are terrible to me. Yeah. And like it was, it was that reframing and that like shift uh, and I had to like teach myself to be like, kindness is okay. Kindness is actually attractive. Oh, it's so attractive. Right. And, but and I think you're, what you're saying is so real and so profound. And throughout this relationship, I have constantly struggled with the idea that Peter is too nice to me. <laughs> like right. it does more for me than I deserve. And so like, it is a thing that we have taught ourselves is that like, we don't deserve love. We don't deserve kindness. And I want to tell you that you do and that you can actively choose it. And I would encourage you to look at Ron and be like, is it that I'm not, I don't want to be with him? Or is it that I just don't think that I deserve or am attracted to someone who could be this nice? And I'm going to add one more fucked up layer to this is that Sam and I were very similar in our younger years. And mm-hmm. we kept returning to these toxic people who like would treat us poorly, but like fuck Ugh. us well for one night. Yep. And for me, it was like, if I could just get this person to love me, <laughs> if I could just get the big fish or the big 
asshole, <laughs> you know, to like, yeah. act, you know, like it, that felt like more of a rush and more of a high and more validation to me than actually meeting someone who was nice and who liked me exactly as I was For instead sure. of somebody who made me constantly feel like I had to be more and better and bigger and different. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's hard when, when you are working through trauma and, uh, doing all these things to have someone actually look at you and be like, hey, I'm interested in you. I accept I you to, as is. Yeah. I want to be with you. Like you're a good person. I will like treat you well. Yeah. It's like, what? No, what I know. <laughs> but ew, I'm like, so gr- glad ew, that I, <laughs> I'm so glad that i like took that moment to have that, that self-reflection and be like, no, Peter is attractive. So you are, cute. you, he is a good loving person. You should be with him. And like, since then I'm like, just so, so happy, happy with him. Yeah. Uh, last addendum too is that I think Sam and I both identify as ex hot messes. Yeah. Right. And I think there's many people who listen to us who was like, that's me. I'm a hot mess or I was a hot mess. And there's like a pride in that. Right. Yeah. But I do want to say to my fellow hot messer messes mm-hmm. that the goal shouldn't be to accept yourself as a hot mess. Yeah. The goal should be to be accountable to your hot messiness mm-hmm. and become just a normal messy human, right? Yeah, yeah. That all of us humans are messy. We make mistakes. We learn. We grow. We are constantly in a state of evolution. But I think that there is the step one is acceptance. Like, oh my God, I was such a hot mess when I was younger. I was making such unhealthy disor- decisions. Ha ha. That was a <laughs> yep. fun time. <laughs> yep. That's step one, but we can stay in step one for a really long time because it allows us to resist the discomfort of growth. For sure. And I think, yeah, step two is like step two is recognizing whether or not that hot messiness is actually serving you well. Yes. And that I think is the issue is that like sometimes we get stuck in the, "Ah, I'm just a hot mess. Like, woohoo. Yeah, that was my 20s. My entire 20s was like, I was like, this is my identity. And then finally I was like, wait a minute. I don't want to. Be yeah. this person anymore. <laughs> right. Like, I like, forgive myself for being this person. For sure. But forgiveness isn't enough. Yep. There has to be growth. Yeah. And it was like, this isn't actually helping me out anymore. Yeah. I'm this sick isn't, of this. Right. I'm tired of these awful dudes treating me poorly. I'm tired of like all of these different things that aren't working for me. Yeah. What I want to do is I want to be happy and healthy and whole. And participating in these activities isn't working anymore. So, totally. what do I need to do to figure out? To, to get to that goal. Yeah. Claire, I hope you uh, gleam some sort of uh, insight or direction from this. We think you're hysterical. We love you. Uh, and we, we definitely love you. We're kindred. <laughs> we are sisters. Yes, for sure. Um, and we, uh, we hope this helps. Thanks for writing. Thank you for writing. All right. Our next letter and final letter <laughs> <laughs> is from Kristen Anonymous, who is writing to us from The Void. And before we get into it, a quick trigger warning for uh, emotional uh, abuse in romantic relationships. My husband and I have been together for about 10 years and have two children together. It has always been a rocky relationship. At the beginning, he was very controlling and emotionally abusive. He talked me into quitting my job. He didn't like any of my friends, so I slowly stopped talking to them. He was controlling with money and would get mad at me for about buying things without talking to him first. When we would talk about breaking up, he would put me down. He would say that no one else would ever want me and that I couldn't make it on my own. I realize now that everything he did was a way to control me and keep me around. Three years into the relationship, he cheated on me. He was drunk and told me about it right away and swore it would never happen again. 
I took him back. Ever since then, we would go through rough patches every year or two when he would say he would want a divorce. Then after a few days or a week, he would change his mind. The most recent one was a year ago and was the worst one yet. He told me he wanted a divorce and also admitted to cheating a couple other times that I didn't know about. We separated and he started seeing someone else. It was a very dark time for me. I didn't understand what was wrong with me. I had given him everything, but was never good enough for him. After a couple months, he apologized and said he needed me and wanted to move back. I had a pit in my stomach and didn't really know if I even wanted him to come back. But I took him back yet again, like I always do. He does really seem to be trying this time. He's not as controlling and doesn't put me down like he used to. But I just don't know what to do. I don't know if I really want to be in this relationship anymore. My sex drive has gone way down and we hardly ever have sex. I know it's psychological after everything he did. I just can't get into sex anymore. My head and body are telling me that I don't want to be with him anymore. But something inside me is holding me back from ending it. Maybe it's the kids. Maybe it's me not wanting to be. Sorry, Spence. Maybe it's him ingraining in my brain for years that I couldn't make it on my own and no one else wants me. A part of me feels like I invested 10 years in him and maybe I should just stick it out and hope it gets better and that I can eventually move on from all the betrayal. Oh, Kristen, thank you so much for writing. Um, Sam and I were really moved by your letter Mm -hmm. and we're really sorry that you're in such a emotionally abusive relationship. Um, And I'm going to use that title very intentionally, even though you say that he seems to be trying now. Mm -hmm. Um, Emotionally abusive people tend to try for a season um, and then fall back into behaviors. Um, And just because he's trying doesn't negate literally all of his past betrayal or past behaviors. I think that we often see people, you know, the phrase like, Um, I give an inch and they take a mile, Mm -hmm. right? But the opposite is we see people put in the tiniest effort and we let them, we let that effort stand for everything. We Mm -hmm. let that effort or that potential cover up all of our own uh, unhappiness, you know, for our desires. Yep. Kristen, I think the thing that moved us most about this letter, um, is how much self-denial there was in it. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that you are, I don't know, in denial, right? Uh, But that you are 100% avoiding or not acknowledging what you know, what Mm -hmm. you have written between the lines of this letter, which is that you're unhappy. Mm -hmm. And that's hard and sad and scary to admit. It's hard to, to walk away from something but you are wildly unhappy. That mm. pit in your stomach when he said he wanted to come back, that physical reaction, that's real. That is literally your gut telling you that you don't want this. Absolutely. And you even say in your letter, your your head and your body know that you want to leave. Um, right. And those are those are real things. And sometimes our hearts can confuse us because our hearts uh, want to... Fix the person that has been the worst to us or right. our hearts want to have put so much time and effort into something and they just want to see that flower begin to grow. Yes, totally. But your body and your head are telling you exactly what you need to hear, which is that you are painfully unhappy in this. 
that there is nothing here that is going to grow and that you need to to take yourself out of that situation in order to find peace, in yes. order to find health, because uh, it's not here. Yeah. It's not with this man. Totally. Even though things are better right now, um, it's going to happen again. Yes. And probably like 50 episodes ago, I um, brought up this analogy of digging a well that I first heard on um, Affirmation Pod, which is one of my favorite podcasts that was mm-hmm. a um, blind date a million years ago. But uh, the, the analogy is that um, and I, uh, Kristen, I know you've been you've been digging this well for literally 10 years. Like you've been digging and digging and digging, looking for water and you've been digging for water. You're so far down that you can barely see the sun, right? You put so much time and effort and labor and forgiveness and justification into this well that you can, you can, you don't even know why you're digging anymore. You just Mm -hmm. know you're, you're looking for water. You're desperate to find proof that all of that time and energy was not wasted. Mm Mm-hmm. But sometimes we dig so much, we dig so feverishly that we forget that we have a right to climb back up to the surface and start again. That just because you've been digging, just because you've been with this man for 10 years doesn't mean you still, that you don't deserve to climb out of that well, to breathe clear air, to start again, to try again, that, that all of that labor in those 10 years isn't reason to stay and be unhappy and keep digging for something that you know isn't there. Yep, for sure. And I think, um, you know, you said in your letter that like you feel like you have put 10 years of effort into this and for what, right? Um, and the sad reality is, is that sometimes we put a lot of time and effort into things that don't work. Yes. Um, and that sucks. <laughs> it sucks so hard. And it, it, I don't want to dismiss it and I want to sort of sit with you in that pain and recognize how real it is to feel that. But this is an opportunity for you to stop putting effort into it, right? Right. Like this is the opportunity for you to say, I've put 10 years into this and it's not worth a day more. It is not worth an hour more. Yes. I need to put time and effort into myself. I need to put time and effort into finding the joy and abundance that I know is around me that I just can't see right now. Yes. It's time for me to put time and effort into my kids and my family and rebuilding those friendships and and find, Yourself, figuring out yeah. who I am outside of this man who has controlled me, who has put me down, who has made me feel like everything in our relationship is my fault. Um, and you can you can do it. It's fucking hard, and it's even it's even harder when you are in a relationship that is so built upon emotional abuse, but you have the capacity to do it within you. If you need help and if you need resources, they are out there. You can mm-hmm. call a domestic violence hotline because emotional abuse is abuse. Mm-hmm. And there are tools and resources to help you make a game plan for you to get yourself out of this relationship. Um, but you can do it. You, I, Sierra and I both know that you have the strength to be able to say, not anymore. I am not doing this anymore. Because also I want to say, Kristen, I want to echo what Sam said, that it starts today, right? Mm -hmm. And today, in this moment right now, you deserve to be happy. And you know, you know all of this already. You know it. It's just you're not allowing yourself to internalize it. Mm -hmm. It's like you, you see the bright lights 
and you see the happiness off in the distance and you say, that's not for me, I don't deserve it, right? But the reality is you deserve to be happy and you know that you will be not just a better, more well-rounded, happier person out of this relationship. Mm -hmm. You'll be a better mother. Mm -hmm. You'll be a better friend and you'll be a better partner for the person who will treat you better. Yep. Right? For sure. You need to put yourself first in order to be able to give generously to others. Absolutely. You need to put yourself first, your happiness first, in order to be able to love wholly. Like I, what's, what's so wild to me about this letter, Kristen, is that is how much physical labor you're doing to protect this man and to, to silence yourself, mm. to ignore the things that are literally screaming at you. Yep. And we don't blame you. No. Kristen, both of Sam and I have stayed with people who treated us poorly yep. to the point we, where we said, I don't know why I'm doing this anymore, but mm-hmm. I still am. Um, but li- literally there's no other option other than you leave him. Mm. And by by that, I mean, of course, you could stay with him, right? But that's how change happens. Change happens with direct contradictions from the things that are hurting you or, or you know, like that, yep. It, yep. that it has to be that simple. It has to be, it has to be a strong no, like Sam said. Right. And, and it has to start this minute, this, this hour, not another hour am I going to waste prioritizing someone who has repeatedly hurt me. Absolutely. I deserve to be at the center of my life. Mm-hmm. I deserve to be happy. Yep. That's what you need to tell yourself. Absolutely. And I just want to say to you, uh, Kristen, that there is joy and there is abundance out there. Yes. And it is hard to see it right now because you are in a situation where you are surrounded by uh, the abuse and the insults of a person who is supposed to love you and care for you. But outside of that, there is joy. There is abundance. We are here waiting for you. Mm-hmm. We are. We want you to find that joy and that abundance. We want you to turn towards it. Um, and we just want you to, to find a way to be happy and healthy and whole. And, and I know that being alone seems scary, and it is really fucking scary. But being alone also brings us the peace that we need sometimes. Yeah. And the, the metaphor of the Phoenix, right? It's, it's cliche, it's overused, but it's real. Like you literally need to set your life on fire. You need to change everything in order to rebirth yourself into the person, you know, you deserve to be. Absolutely. Um, so lean into that discomfort, lean into the fear, because I promise you there is life altering joy on the other end of it. Absolutely. We love you so much. Good luck. Thanks for writing. All right. That brings us to the blind date segment of our show. Every episode, we want to shout out something we want to send you home with. This week, we want to set you up with... Mindhunter. Oh, my God. Yeah, right? So good. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, Mindhunter is a show on uh, Netflix, which is a sort of fictional recreation of the uh, development of the behavioral sciences unit in the FBI, which is the, the folks who study serial killers and then develop the art of like creating profiles for people. So like, they're like, Oh, we know that this person is probably like a 25 year old man who does right. this and this blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's about, uh, these, uh, FBI agents and this, uh, psychiatrist, uh, interviewing all of these like horrible killers and, uh, developing this new science. And it is, uh, super interesting. It's super well-written. It's very well acted. Such good acting. It's like, 
Um, it's Jonathan Groff, uh, who I love, and I love that it is an out gay actor playing a straight character, which I think is just like, I just love it when they do that because it's like, I hate it when gay men are typecast and they're right. like, oh, they can't play straight, but right. they, like he does it and he does a fantastic job. Um, and then the woman in it, whose name I'm forgetting, but she was also on Fringe. Um, and she just plays her role with like Ugh, such so an sexy. amazing amount of reserve, but like with a crazy amount of like emotion behind the facade yeah. of being reserved. Like totally. she's, she's amazing. So uh, check it out. The season two uh, came out in August, I believe. And it's educational too, in terms of, uh, it sounds silly, but like if anybody's into tr- true crime, like it's, it's fun to like watch these, recre- these stories recreated, mm-hmm. but there's also a history aspect to it. Um, I've asked my parents before, like, do you guys re- remember when the, there was the Manson killings or mm-hmm. yep. do you remember this and this, you know, and sometimes they do. And sometimes they don't because news was distributed differently then. Right. And yep. it, it's just like a, it's, it, I love the historical factor of it. Yeah. It feels like, it feels very of its time. Yes, Like, totally. it feels like they did such a good job of putting it in the time period in which it takes place. Um, yeah. That, like, it feels really authentic. I mean, I've never, I didn't live in the 70s. But, yeah. like, it feel, it doesn't feel like Mad Men did. Like, Mad Men always felt like a little bit of, like, 2010 interpretation of the 1960s. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, But this yeah. feels, like, very set in the time period. Totally. So, um, it's called Mindhunter. Season two came out, I think, in August. Uh, Peter and I just finished it, and it was fantastic. I so it for sure. check it out. All right, thank you all so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook, and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find tickets to our next live show on November second in Austin, Texas, and you can purchase some of our awesome merchandise: awesome Hundo Percento tank tops, sweatshirts. Yeah, that live show is really coming up. I know. Oh my god. So excited. Uh, Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review. Uh, And please consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for $5 a month, you get an additional bonus weekly episode. It's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the lights on and it helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, and producing by our friend Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember... You are more than your past. You are not defined by where you've been, by what you've done, by who you've been. You can use the past to move forward positively, but you can also set down and grow beyond what no longer serves you. And if all else fails, just break up.